What's good, God? You are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, our favorite show is nothing you can mess with. It's Wu-Tang, an American saga season two, brought to you by... Riza Productions, Minute Drill Productions, Imagine Television Studios, and 20th Century Television. Uh, this debuted its second season on Hulu, and it ran from September 8th to October 27th. And joining me tonight, the Jizza, Jesse Starcher. How do you do, sir? Oh, Mark Rattlich. Good to be back here talking Wu Tang and American Saga one more time. At one point, on our last episode, we didn't know that there was going to be a season two. Yes. You can go back in the archives and hear us talk about season one, almost two years to the day. Yeah. And I was actually looking at an article where they were talking about season two happening and we were both still like, Oh man, is it actually going to happen? Because it ended in such a weird spot, but I am so glad, so glad that this is, uh, this is actually something that's done. Well, I say season two is done now. We're definitely getting to season three, right? Yeah, it's already been confirmed. Um, That's what I thought. But uh, season three is the last season. So I feel like there's a whole story that they had mapped out. Mm-hmm. And they did the first season and they stopped it where they did. And they may or may not have gotten a second season. No one knew for sure, I think. But I, but I think in the back of everyone's mind who worked on this, it was, we have enough story for three seasons. This is, you know, it's kind of like Star Wars. Like, we're just going to tell this part of the story. Right. And if we get a second season and a third season, great. We have more story to tell. We already know what we want want to talk about. If they don't, oh, well, you know, we wouldn't be the first series that ended in a weird place. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the things we talked about with season one was it was kind of like the Runaways, where yeah. it took it takes all season. It, you know, it took all season in the first season of the Runaways for them to run away. right (laughs) they they ran away literally as the last as the finale was ending yeah um we were like what is what is this why is this i needed you to run away see episode one not episode 10 you know (laughs) it took us a while to get there but they ran and then it's like the wu-tang clan you know you get to episode 10 and you're like they're not the wu-tang clan yet no there was there was nothing there other than them leaving and going to ohio uh and trying to basically escape a, uh, a criminal charge. He, they had shot Attila. Do you remember right. Attila? The big sure dude? Do. Um, now who could forget Attila? But <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so they, and then that's where we leave it. I mean, yeah, but, we find out that Cherie's pregnant, and you're like, right. whoa, wait a second. Bobby, who will be the RZA, and Dennis, who will be Ghostface Killer, mm-hmm. uh, fled <laughs> New York. Yeah, they yeah. went in the opposite direction of the Wu-Tang Clan. Got out. Got out. You know, um, Dennis and Raekwon or uh, Shaw, um, they they don't reconcile in any kind of way. Everything is a tatters and you have no idea where things are going. That was one of the like we love the show, but it was like 
it didn't feel like anything leading towards the formation of one of the most influential rap groups in history. It just felt like a street drama, which was exactly. fine. Yeah. You know, um, we talked about like the push pull of the criminal world versus the artistic world, rap music, mm -hmm. you know, and how that's a big theme among all the characters is, well, can, you know, can they give up being drug dealers long enough to make music? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the world will continue to throw obstacles in their way and to see how they react. And in the first season, they don't react well. <laughs> like, right. It all goes, it, you know, it, Dennis won't stop being a criminal. Um, Shaw won't stop being a criminal, you know, or try. I think he tries to get into rap music, but then the, his whole thing falls apart. Bobby becomes Prince Rakim mm -hmm. and fails miserably. Right. And so it's like, what what to do and then and then they shoot Attila and then they have to go on the run so they are mm -hmm. as far they are as far away from being the Wu-Tang clan by the end of season one yeah. as they can be and I think you and me were like well <laughs> odd, odd choice for a show about the formation of the Wu-Tang clan fictional yeah. or otherwise but right. here we are we, we got everything we wanted with season two yeah yeah we did boy did we ever we got uh you know solid uh, well, you know, we get, we get the group by the end of this season, we get mm -hmm. the group together and we get, uh, not only that, but we get some, they released know, enter, they released enter the Wu-Tang. Right. Right. And it's, it's selling like, you know, it's selling like wildfire. So it's, mm -hmm. it's cool to see as we get the progression through the season from all the way from, there's no way that this is going to happen to mm -hmm. the success that happens at the end. Did you um, ever see the movie straight out of Compton? No, I did not. I, that's okay. one on the list. I haven't had a chance to see. Uh, we reviewed Jed and I actually reviewed. I don't know if you remember Jed from the Casual Heroes. Oh yeah, yeah. from years ago. But it was the one time I was able to get Jed on the show because there was no way Robert Winfrey was doing that. And at the time, I didn't work with fifty other people, so <laughs> so I got Jed on because we were both uh -huh. big fans of of hip hop. And um, you know, the thing about Straight Outta Compton relative to the show we're talking about tonight is. The movie, in many ways, is about the formation of Straight Outta Compton. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it, there's a lot of scenes of them in the recording studio. Um, there's a scene made up or otherwise of the direct influence on. I'm trying to not get us demonetized. F the police. Oh yeah, you know things like that. There's, um, you know, there's writing sessions where they're coming up with stuff for like Boys in the Hood and Straight Outta Compton and all of that and stuff like that is very interesting i mean yeah. i love i love to look in depth at the creative process uh, especially for people like you know that have come up from such a rough and horrible sure. background uh to the success that they are and why and how that happened with the creation that they had right and so and um season two of wu-tang and american saga for follows very much the same format the first couple of episodes are just trying to resolve a lot of the conflicts from season one. Yeah. So we start off with like Bobby and Dennis living in Ohio and then um, Dennis ends up shooting another guy. Um, yep. uh, sorry, Bobby ends up shooting another guy. Yep. Um, and goes to jail for a while and he ends up getting acquitted. Uh, found not guilty of attempted murder. Um, which was hilarious, by the way, because it's one of those things where it's like almost like an unspoken agreement between hoods that they are not going to snitch on each other and take each other to court. And this guy went right to the police, right to the police. He's <laughs> like, uh, look, that dude shot me. Like he comes in to bust up a party and throw his thugness around. 
yeah. then when when Bobby and Dennis fight back, he's like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was assaulted." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, not particularly gangster like. Uh, no. but yeah, and then and then he's in court, and that's such a funny scene to me when 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 Bobby goes to trial, and the guy that he assaulted. By the way, for people if you haven't seen it, he gets cornered by this guy and his group of thugs. Yeah. And Bobby's defending himself. He pulls a gun because he's about to get his ass beat with a bat. Right. The the dude has a bat. He's got a crew there. And, I mean, he feels like that's the only way he could probably survive (laughs) or at least make it out of there and shoots the dude. Right. Which, you know, you can't blame him. And I think that's what they rested their defense on. Right. Uh, But it's so funny because, like, We've seen this a million times that the way that people tend to lose trials is they are um, they're dismantled as a witness. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, they are. I can't remember what the um, what the word undermined, I guess. There's okay. another word for it. But basically, like, you know, Jesse Starcher gives his testimony and then the cross through cross examination, you're made to seem like a lunatic or a liar mm-hmm. or, you know, um, uh, unreliable, unreliable. That's yeah, that's there. There's the word. Um, so, you know, and then you, so your whole testimony is rendered moot and that that's lack of evidence to prove, uh, guilt mm-hmm. law 101 should have been a lawyer, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> You're working your way there Yeah, in the system, I guess. <laughs> sure. Anyway, um, the point being, so the guy that he attacks takes the stand and it, you know, and you could almost hear the violins playing in the background. It was very, it was very Looney Tunes ish. Oh yeah. He's like, I'm a I'm a pillar of the neighborhood. I played football here, and the jury's just nodding their heads. You certainly did, Ollie. You know, <laughs> it's so like he's totally playing on their sympathies, and you know, and it's like you've seen this in a million other movies and TV shows. He's like, and that man over there assaulted poor innocent me, who's never been anything but a pillar of the community. And how could we let such terror, you know, and then there's yeah. the jury who's right along with them. And you could just see Bobby with the, what the F right. Dude. <laughs> I mean, he, he thinks the cards are stacked against him. He's yeah. pretty certain he's going to be uh, going to prison. And, by some twist of fate, he was able to uh, get out of there. And they I never think... show it, but he testified. He he testified on his on his own behalf, and um, they don't show it. But the whole thing is like tell your story. That's when he has those flashbacks to he when has... he did the uh, the freestyle. Game. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I I think I think at this point, and this is something that we mentioned in the previous season. This is something that mm-hmm. they've done with a lot of the shows. They have. Uh, they have a great way of doing some interesting things with the themes of the episode yeah. or, or some of the cinematography, like all, all the, well, I say cinematography, like there'll be scenes in this, in these episodes where specifically that courtroom scene, like everything becomes black and it's like, he's mm-hmm. sitting there rapping and, and it's obviously showing you that he's getting the inspiration for some of this stuff that he's probably going to put out there as uh, the, mm-hmm. uh you know he's going to be doing that in the in the Wu-Tang clan uh he's going to be putting that out there but that he draws upon these life experiences and they do a good way of just like you know they could have kept this so cut and dry in the courtroom like right. oh he's on the stand oh he's doing this but no they fade to black and he's sitting up there and he's just kind of rapping his you know talking about his his life and and trying to defend himself in some way um 
and it's really, really a good way of drawing the viewer in. And I think that's the first time I noticed it this season, mm -hmm. and we get more of it as the season goes along, and I'm a big fan of it. Let me tell you, I think Wu-Tang and American Saga is one of the best written series on TV right now. And even though the dialogue is very earthy, very, um, very urban, Sure. That's code, everybody. Um, <laughs> they use the N-word a lot. Um, <laughs> so earthy, yeah. Um, I like urban. it. I like it. That's next. That's the way I'm going to describe it next time. Yes, sir. Um, but, you know, and it's a very simple story. So when I say, like, it's the best written, you know, I understand the dialogue is very gritty. And I understand it's a very simple narrative. It's about how a band got together. When I say... It, 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 I, Maybe written is not the, the best word. I think it's the best presented television show yeah, okay. yeah, going that, right that now. Makes because more sense for sure. The aesthetic, the look, the 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 perspective is thick and rich. You know, this is a this is a very um vivid tapestry that they paint. There right. are a lot of themes that inform the narrative: religious, cultural, legal. There's a lot that goes into why these men develop the way that they do, right. why they make the decisions that they do, and it all informs the decision making. Like you have to talk about the Muslim and the um, the twelve tribes of Israel guys, yes. because that those experiences enrich what eventually become the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, you know, so you can't do the show without that. But that, but that, but those are the things that really add so much flavor to this show, because what show is talking about the twelve tribes of Israel? Right. You know. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, they're not like it's definitely not taking over mm -hmm. what you're getting in this series, but it's there, and you need to understand that it was there for them at that point, and. Again, just like you said, that influences them. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I remember I, I just watched the last two episodes, probably about a half hour before I got on here. Mm -hmm. And we get that bit of resolution at the end where uh, you have. Oh, my goodness. I can't remember who it is. Um, you know, 94 members of Wu-Tang Clan. So if I it's apologize. the one that goes back to jail at the very end of the season, that's you, God. Not, no, it's not you, God. It's. Um, I have the cast in front of me, but regardless, I think it's, uh, oh, okay. So is, is it Gary? I could be wrong anyway. Uh, so at the end you see peppered through these episodes, they would set up, I think to sell tapes and across mm -hmm. from them would be the, uh, uh, you said 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. Okay. So are those, those, the guys that were setting up across from them. Those are the guys in the black Halloween costumes. Got okay, so that's them. So anyway, mm -hmm. you know, by the end, you see them and they, they are like, it's like there's almost going to be a war that breaks out. And right. that's only a couple of times throughout the episode. But by the very end, we get that bit of resolution where they mm -hmm. show up and they look at him. And because he's become, uh, number one, a successful rap artist that's brought right. the community together, that's important. Yeah. It's not just because he's a successful rap artist. It's the fact that their music brought people together. Staten Island is this big. Right. Okay? <laughs> right. It is, a, it is not a big island. <laughs> and yet it was subdivided into territories like a wrestling uh, yeah, area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Between like Park Hill and Stapleton. And the thing about the Wu-Tang Clan was everyone kind of put down their drugs and guns for five minutes and mm -hmm. was like embracing this joined cult, and that's a lot of what this show is about, this joined cultural experience. Right. You know, I remember, and I know I've talked about this a million times, depending on what urban show we were discussing, but um, 
I remember there was like a documentary that Ice T was a part of. And they were talking about Bloods and Crips. And they were like, why are you guys fighting? And he was like, well, we don't want the other side to encroach on our territory. And Ice T is like, what territory? This is, <laughs> these are projects. You don't own <laughs> shit here. <laughs> like, right. I, I want to say the word, but <laughs> is that yours? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I want to say the word because that's how he said it. Um, and I and I want to do a proper imitation, but anyway, I've got it. I've got it right in here. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. You you inferred <laughs> my earthiness. So, um, anyway, is so, and that's the whole thing. It was like there comes a point where the cognitive dissonance kind of dissipates, and everyone comes to realize it's not uh, us against each other is exactly what people who don't love us want. Right. Right. When we come together and work towards a single goal as a group of people, as a culture, you know, it's better for us and it makes the people who don't like us lives worse. Right. Right. And that was sort of the net effect, at least for, for a moment in time of the, of the Wu-Tang Clan. It was like, you know, the, this culture that was gathered together on Staten Island was like, oh, let's, you know, let's get behind this as, mm -hmm. as a group of people. Um, which is great. At least that's how it's re represented in the show. Well, yeah, and, um, and that's a that's a central theme throughout. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that Bobby's trying to put this group together. He's got to get two people to be on board. Right. And, you know, this is one of my favorite episodes of the show is when he decides, okay, well, I'm going to try and get uh, Shaw in there, and I'm going to try and get um, Dennis Dennis in there. D Lover. Uh, <laughs> yep. he's gonna try and get both. Of, now, mind you, Shaw Could you shot think up of a less out? sympathetic or less romantic guy to be D lover <laughs> than the guy who will become Ghostface Killer, right? <laughs> 180. Um, but man, you know, you Bobby's got to try and get these two together. Well, uh, so again, it, just like you said, it's a central theme of bringing things together, and right. that is a big. Big challenge for Bobby to try and overcome. I want to I want to talk about the the Staten Island Ferry episode. Um, one because you talked about it having almost like a Western theme. Oh yeah, and it's one of the best. If, if I know I was like live chatting, you know, the whole the whole series as I watched it on Saturday, um, in the chat room. I'm sure I was driving one or two people crazy, but <laughs> um, they can mute the chat. It's it's easy to they do. can mute the chat. They can be adults. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can do it. I have faith in you. Uh, but that was one of the best episodes of the season, but I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the preceding stuff. So the first episode sort of resolves the Ohio stuff. Um, right. they talk about what happened to Attila and why it's kind of safe to go back. Um, Bobby, Bobby, after getting Bobby kind of has like a come to Jesus moment with, I think his either stepdad or I can't remember who that, who he is in relationship to him. At this point, he's married to the mom and he's at least one of his brother's fathers. Yeah. Right. Um, and he says to him, he was like, you're making choices. You know, you have opportunities. You are not in the street. You have a house. You have parents who love you. We have some money. You don't have to do any of this. You chose. We got you out of New York to give you a second chance to make better choices. And you immediately made all the wrong choices again, up to and including shooting a guy. Yeah. And none of this was necessary. These were all your choices. You know, and Bobby has to wrestle with that because there's a lot of learned helplessness in um, impoverished communities. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the man's against me. I have no opportunities. You can't fight your way out of the ghetto. The only way, the only way to get out of the ghetto is with drugs. And there were some people who would argue that that's a very negative attitude and that's not totally true. And I think that's the point that he's trying to make to Bobby. He was like, you let yourself believe the worst about your own people and about your circumstances, but you're fooling yourself if you think that's a 100% reality. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, and Bobby has so much talent, you know, as a musician. and And I think he realizes in that episode, he was like, if you needed a clearer sign that you needed to change your ways, this is it. Mm-hmm. And either, um, and it's funny, I kind of I brought this up with uh, somebody the other day. It might have might have been on the lock and key review. I don't I don't remember anymore. Stuff is melding together. Um, but Too many podcasts. We were the talking Mark about Radlich that story on American Saga. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we were talking about the people who won't accept the vaccine, but they say I won't accept the vaccine because God will provide. And the the TikTok collective response being, God did provide. He provided vaccines. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, same thing here. It's like, uh, how many more opportunities do you need to pass up before you, you know, b- before you reach the conclusion that you're letting your life slip away and it's your own fault? Mm-hmm. You can't blame anybody else. And so, all of that to say, Bobby gets out of jail and says, "Well, I dodged a major bullet there. I don't want to go back to jail. I need to change my ways." And he like a hundred percent focuses on the music, but he realizes that. And he starts reflecting on the Prince Rakim part of his life. And he's like, I can't do this alone. I need my brother. We'll talk about him in a minute. I need my brother to manage things, to, to be the business part of this, because I clearly don't know that part. I know I was I was victim to it, and I need somebody to control it on my end. Mm-hmm. And I need to make the music. I need to I need to make the creative direction, but I need all of these other voices. Like I'll be a conductor. Oh, and I'll bring all these other people to be talent and we will make we will make amazing music together. You know, I, I need and he talks about I need powers because powers powers knows people. Powers yeah, he's, has connections. he's his. Yeah, he's the guy that knows the streets and is able right. to make things happen. You know, so he needs uh, Div- divine divine. I can't remember his brother's name. Divine divine. He mm-hmm. needs divine to kind of manage the business and he needs powers to lend legitimacy he needs Ghostface and Sha- and Raekwon, Dennis and Shaw, to reconcile because they're kind of the heart of the thing. Right. And then it's just adding these you know various elements, Method and You God and Inspector Deck and all the you know and all these other guys that have been in and around his life and his you know his buddy Old Dirty, um, Russell, <laughs> you know, and then okay, you know, like. I think he like he recognizes that I'm I'm good, but I'm so much better if I'm with these people, and that becomes what the show is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first couple episodes post the first one, he comes back to New York, and it's about it's about creating a firm, strong, indestructible base for which to build enter the Wu Tang on. Yeah, he says he wants to build it from the ground up right. um, instead of from the top down, and yeah, so he's you know wants to he wants to be successful but he knows that in order to be successful his best chance is with the people he knows that could help him be Mm -hmm. successful and that's why he's bringing everybody in and not only that but he wants to he wants to share that success with all of them yeah that's that's the thing like if he knows that they have talent 
if he can put them together, they can be unstoppable. I can't remember what movie I got this from, but there's a line in the movie that, that always makes me laugh. It's like, what's the scariest thing in America? Black man with a library card. Um, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of his perspective. It's like we allow ourselves to be um, disempowered. Mm-hmm. And if we, there, there, America really can be, you know, the land of opportunity. You may have to work twice as hard as everybody else, but right. you can get there. And that's the whole thing is he's like, I, if I gather people around me and construct this, you know, this thing, we will be successful. No one can take this from us because we own it all. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the big conversation. And I'm sk- we're going to skip all over kind of just kind of talk about this, this and that. But that's the conversation he has with old dirty at the end of the season. Mm hmm. Um, Old Dirty's dream in life is to sign with Def Jam. He wants to sign with Def Jam. And um, they have, you know, they have shopped. Uh, they, they finished recording Enter the Wu-Tang, and now they need a distributor. And so they're they're looking for a record label to pick them up and distribute their album. But they want ownership of the copyright. They want ownership of the music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, see um, that, that right there, it's... You know, you got this independent band right now, and they're trying mm-hmm. to find their way through. And it that had to have been such a challenge. And that's obviously that's put across in the episode. Mm-hmm. And I found that infinitely interesting as well. Just yeah. to watch this band try to figure out who to sign with. Is it going to be Giffen? Is it going to be Loud? Is it mm-hmm. going to be, you know, so a Def Jam? It, it, that is just a world apart that is filled with legal uh legalese and lawyers and every contracts single, and every single one had a trap you know right. Def, Jam, Def Jam was willing to sign them and give them boatloads of money but they wanted rights to all the solo artists as well yeah and Bobby's like no, no. <laughs> I'm not I th- this is about choice and freedom this isn't about locking people into contracts that they are eventually going to resent and want out of right um right. And then, and that leads to the conversation with Russell, where you know, I, what I really liked about Old Dirty Bastard, the way he's presented in the show, is he's kind of a clown. But like, if you think about the the, the artist showcase that they did for um, to try to get on Loud Records, which is a subsidiary, I believe they said of RCA. Yeah, and yeah. it's a room full of like white people and. You know, Germans, and Germans, yeah, German white people. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't know what to make. They think these guys all like wandered off the street. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, he was, here, where the Wu Tang Clan? The head dude's like, I'm so glad we got a nice R and B artist, uh, artist uh, band mm-hmm. here. And he's like, Oh, he has no idea. <laughs> and so, you you know, social intelligence is real. And as goofy and and sometimes silly as Old Dirty is presented on the show. He has, he has like in D&D, he has like a 10 charisma. Yeah. Well, let's see. Okay. So you're talking about that part when they go to the fever, that's mm-hmm. the other, that, you know, he's the guy that gets on the stage, he grabs right. the mic and he's able to bring the crowd in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a big, and then also at the very yeah, end, that was, that was a totally an officer. I speak jive moment. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, 
yeah, you're right. He is the guy that's able to jump in front mm-hmm. of a crowd and get their attention and, right. and keep it and then be the it's intro like he guy. He says anything profound. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't have to. Like, the way that he gets over at the RCA showcase is he starts singing somewhere over the yes, world. Yes, yes, horribly. He, disar- he disarms the crowd. They laugh. They're like, oh, these guys who look like they're going to murder us all. They're just <laughs> funny clowns. Laugh at the clowns. And then they break into Wu-Tang Clan. Ain't nothing to mess with. Yeah. Uh, which was hilarious to me. Um, you know, th- when you're talking about the fever... <laughs> there's a situation there where they were not on the marquee, which by the way, when, when powers asked about that, oh. and uh, I don't know if you recognize that actor, but he was, um, he's Chris Partlow's. No, he is Chris Partlow. Um, he's okay. what's his face's uh, right hand man in season four and five of the wire. Oh, okay. All right. Which I now have seen. So yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I listened to the previous episode today about <laughs> season one. And I hadn't watched the wire at all at that point. Had now I think- have. You finished The Wire? I've not finished it. I'm in season five, I think. Okay. Starting season five, which is the final season, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When you get when you finish it, let me know. Only we took me two to, years. We may have to talk about it. Okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> Jesse reacts to The Wire. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, long story short here. Um, so, that, yeah, they're at, they're, <laughs> so that character who plays Chris Partlow... Um, he's another one who I, I, he has a scene with powers on the bus, but powers, his car gets towed and he has to take the bus home mm-hmm. and he sees, uh, this actor who's unfortunately his name. I have a hard time pronouncing. It's very African sounding. Um, but he was in the deuce. He's in that. He's in a bunch of stuff that's shot in New York and he's a great actor. He has such great, like delivery, very balanced, very, um, very, very balanced, very like serious delivery. Mm-hmm. And I guess he had been a drug dealer and he got out of it and he's driving the bus now. And, you know, and he's having a conversation with powers, kind of like what we talked about with Bobby at the beginning of the season, where it's like, what do you, do you want to do this for the rest of your life? Do you want to risk being shot constantly? Right. You know, do you want to die? Is I mean, do what you want, but there comes a point where, and the, the wire kind of said the same thing. At some point you just get tired of this. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've gotten to the point in the show where, uh, Poot, is working in this is working in like a footlocker and um i think uh oh gosh um i can't remember the character's name now but the 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 dookie you know is trying to find a job because he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be a drug dealer can't be a drug dealer doesn't want to be in school so he's like just trying to find a job to fill his days and he goes into the footlocker and poots work in there and he was like, you're still too young to work here. He was like, why do you work here? He was like, I guess I just got tired of being a drug dealer. <laughs> you, know? so, you just get tired of going to jail after a right, while. Right, yeah, it gets a little old, I'm right. sure. And so it was a similar thing here where he's like, after a while, the life just gets old. You know, mm-hmm. you get tired of looking over your shoulder. You start thinking about like, well, what if I live past 30? Then what? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do? I, you know, like, you know, I hear these white people talking about a thing called a pension. I'd like one of those. <laughs> so anyway, um, so he so he and Powers are trying to get them all into the fever because it's packed for weeks on end and it's hard to get in there. But there's a relationship between um, that actor and the guy who owns the fever. And he's like, you know, and they're w- we're working at a deal to squeeze him in there. And Powers yeah. goes, are you going to put our name on the marquee? <laughs> and <laughs> you could just smack. <laughs> yeah. The other guy like looks at him. He's like, "Oh, I, I was just waiting for him to get up and be like, okay, this is done.'" 
if there had been a pool, he'd have pushed him in it. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, this is a guy, you know, Powers, it, it just shows you that he's able to get stuff done because mm-hmm. the fever is like the hottest club, just like you said, right. it's booked up for weeks. And he said, we'll get you in. He was going to have them in there within a day. Right. And, and they were supposed to do it the next day, and he was able to pull it off. Yep. But the, the point of me bringing that up is that, so no one knows who they are. They're not, they're not the known Wu-Tang clan just yet. Right. The Wu-Tang has not come out and been a, you know, a smash success. Mm-hmm. Um, people, they're still just trying to get the word out. That's why this show was important to them because a bunch of music execs were going to come and check them out to see if they wanted to sign them. So this was like a make or break moment. And it's a hostile crowd is the whole point of that last 10 minutes that I was talking. The hostile crowd, they, excuse me, they don't know who these people are. And they're getting, they're getting booed, and out go, walks Dirty, who basically went rah 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 shish kumba, you know, <laughs> stick them, you know, and they went correct. <laughs> yep, they liked it. And then out come the Wu Tang Clan, hooting and hollering, and like, oh my god, this is amazing. Ooh, Nearly dang. as good as the Beastie Boys. Yeah, oh, oh, there's a <laughs> subtle jab. Bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um. I let let's before we run out of time and actually before we do that you know we talked about how great and how well written the fairy scene is and I'm going to shut up and let you talk about it and how great it is and why it reminded you of a western but I'll tell you when you're wanting to write a scene that is reminiscent of a western but it's a bunch of African American fellas from the street on a ferry you might want to use Grammarly Grammarly, for you listeners of TV Party Tonight on the Rattling Broadcasting Network brought to you by W2M, is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. So real quick, Bobby comes back from Ohio. Dennis comes back from Ohio because his wife, you know, Cherie is like, I guess I understand you want to take care of us. I would prefer if you weren't a drug dealer about it. Mm-hmm. So go make music with Bobby. Go platinum. Come back with money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, uh, sure. Um, and then Bobby now. So now he's got Dennis. He's got to get set up. He's got to convince this army of people, disparate people to coalesce. They have to squash beef. They have to get over. People have to get over shooting at one another. Right. That's you kind know. of a big deal. Right. They have to get, you know, Shaw shot into his apartment where his two um, handy capable brothers are and his alcoholic mom. Right. I think Dennis went in and robbed his parents store, if I remember correctly. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, the apparel apparel store. So, I mean, like, you know, warring factions. I, I, I remember I mentioned to you, my God, this is Game of Thrones, but in Staten Island. <laughs> War, trying to make peace between warring houses and whatnot. Um, right. And that all leads. And so, look, if the Wu-Tang Clan is going to work, Shaw and Dennis, like he, he, he enrolls his brother. His brother's off probation now, and, he, and his brother starts learning how the music business works through reading books. He's going to manage the business end of it. But also, Dennis... Uh, what do you call it? Um, Divine has a way of speaking with Dennis. They have a relationship because of their drug dealing days. You know, he can get through to Dennis where, Bo- where Bobby can't. He has more legitimacy with Dennis. Okay. Same thing with Powers and Shaw. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so Shaw's on board, Divine's on board. Now, if they can just get Shaw and Dennis to not murder one another, we can build from there. Go. Right. Yeah. So this is the best episode of the season. Uh, this is called Pioneer the Frontier. And there was definitely this Western vibe to it. So Bobby gets them all onto the ferry. And mm. he's by hook or by crook, he's able to convince them to get on there, uh, which, you know, they don't know the others are on there. Uh, and then he tries to squash or at least get them to set aside their differences mm. uh, so that they can try to work together. And he's trying to present his vision to them uh and see if they can accept and of course the whole the whole i like episodes like this where they're stuck mm -hmm. on some uh, you know the setting does not change they're on this they're on this ferry it's, it's the lock-in at the uh at the y isn't it you know you lock all the kids in the y and you say squash the beef and then we'll open the door yeah 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 so that's kind of like what we're doing here you, you mm -hmm. have to watch them try to work things out you got to watch ghostface and and uh raekwon, raekwon try to chef. yeah yeah try to and the thing is, is that I remember watching the first season and at the end of the first season, I was like, how in the world are they going to resolve their differences? That dude just tried to murder the other guy. Right. That's a big and his deal. brothers who were stricken in wheelchairs. Right. How are they going right. to get this? And I think that's why this episode carries so much gravity for me, because we get to see how that happened. We get to see mm -hmm. how Bobby was able to. And it looked like it was going to fall through, I don't know, like five times through the episode. You're like, well, Bobby's not going to be. Oh, my God. At there was a point where Dennis, I thought, was going to dive off the ferry. Yeah. And what's his name? Get... Back to Staten Island. And he, uh, Divine finds, or not Divine, I'm sorry, Ghostface finds that, uh, is able to get that gun. And it looks yeah. like he's going to just go ahead and shoot him and dump, you know, dump, dump Shaw off the side. Um, right. you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. And mm -hmm. they about draw guns on each other, which again, that's fits that Western motif I was talking about. But I right. think one of my favorite parts of the, uh, of this episode is the, uh, driver of the ferry that comes over the speaker. <laughs> it's like trying to convince Bobby to get things done. Like, <laughs> Hey, we only got like five minutes, man. What are you doing? And of course right. that's all happening in Bobby's head. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why you think <laughs> this is going to work. <laughs> So I really, really like that episode. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the things about this show is, you know, you think it's got to be so easy. You got to remember, these guys are all professional actors. They've been in other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the some of the people I'm sure in the cast were natural, you know, were, were, were people from the community that they used for different things. I get that. Right. And I'm sure some of these people have had experiences in the street that they're drawing from, but not everybody. And, you know, and I think the, the vast majority of the guys are all just professional actors playing the role of guys from the street. And they're so natural with each other. Yeah, they are. Powers and Divine sitting on the bench reminiscing. Yes. Is one of the best exchanges of dialogue in the entire show. Yeah, you can see that they're kind of like the older Mm -hmm. uh, gangsters, if you will, they're the guys that have probably grew up in the streets. They probably were warring at one point or mm -hmm. had, you know, had beef and then they are both starting to realize that there's more to this life than that kind of life. And if they are to invest and believe that Bobby can do what he's saying he's going to do, they're going to have to get their, uh, their counterparts, mm. Ghostface and Raekwon to 
try and stick around and li- at least listen to what Bobby has to say. Right. Uh, and, but yeah, them sitting on that bench, just kind of like, and you're wondering what they're going to say to each other. And then they start talking about the old days and you mm-hmm. know when, when they were kids and before the streets took a hold of them, right. which is well, great. Divine says something to power. They started talking about how powers would steal the teacher's test. Yes. And then yes. sell it back to the students and, right. you know, and then divine, and then he got caught, but divine took the rap for it. And powers was t- powers takes a beat. And he's like, but why? Yeah. Why would you take the rap from me? And he was like, because you needed to keep doing it. Right. And it just, that supports that Mm -hmm. he was going to be the businessman. He was the guy that was smart enough to understand that that needed to be done in order for that to continue in order for others to succeed. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great, it's very, so I say it's a very smartly written show given the subject matter. Um, there's a lot of showing not telling there's a lot of um there's a lot of laden dialogue that informs characterization and that's one of those things that that one line tells you more about divine than anything else in this show Mm -hmm. you know um yeah the i'm gonna so we we almost a year ago we watched wonder woman 1984 and we kind of complained about the ending because we feel like the whole conclusion is she gives a she gives a very non-dramatic speech and that somehow wins over the the the, the monster and the monster gives up his power it was the okay. stupidest ending ever have you, watched, <laughs> have you watched wonder woman 1984 no i have not i have not okay yeah she gives a speech about love um and he's like you're right i don't want to be evil anymore no oh. um so that's an example of how not to do you know your speech as an ending yeah mid-level falcon speech of maybe we should do maybe we should do better mm-hmm. <laughs> you know in captain america and the winter soldier what this you know i know it drove that speech drove robert winfrey insane and many others too it you know that that got the that made it the rounds but that was sort of a mid-level kind of example of how to do a, how to do a speech to resolve things in, in a show the best example is bobby's yeah. bobby's speech on the ferry about guys we are at a flashpoint. If we walk off this, if we walk off this bo- uh, boat and nothing's resolved and we all resume our earlier activity, we are, we are walking away from a golden opportunity. He right. was like, I need you to go against your natural natures and have faith and trust in what I'm telling you. I can see, I can see the future for us. I know it's hard because we've all been led to believe that the future is bleak, you know, and none of us will live past the age of 30. But I'm telling you, if you if you follow me, if you have a little faith and trust. And I was it's so funny because of, the, you know, the collective trauma of having lived in, you know, impoverished, drug riddled communities have made these guys so skittish. These are like beaten dogs mm-hmm. like Shaw and Dennis. You know, you ever like, you know, like a frightened dog. You're like, come here, come here. And the dog's like. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're both that way, and they're like, the, you know, the, the the Eddie Izzard's joke about the IRA and the British, you know, like, if you would just sign the document, we will give up the guns, no problem. That's fine. If you will sign first, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of that going back and forth. Right. Um, it's, it was the same thing with, with Dennis and Shaw. They, they were just so anxious uh, about trusting each other because of a little thing like shooting at each at one another yeah (laughs) like this went well beyond bloods and crips like arguing over territory these two guys shot at one another yeah 
Um, but, But he's able to succeed through the power of words, you know, and relationships with these two guys. And it's it's really beautiful. Right. Yeah. I mean, it you have to have a lot of faith in a person. Like, I, I don't know what it would take for somebody to shoot at me and then for me to go, okay, let's let's make music together. <laughs> I, mean, I, can't some, I can't get some of these people that I work with to get on the same podcast together. <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> Let alone squash a beef involving gunplay. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know? so, I mean, that's, again, just enough to show you that RZA is... Uh, an amazing influential person in this business and is that episode mm-hmm. show it shined a light uh on and of course it's the formation it is the genesis of what we're going to get at least at, uh, you can see that now from this point there is going to be a bloom on this flower mm-hmm. of the wu-tang clan uh let's see it bud right. and explode the next couple of episodes of you know them building the in apartment studio, yeah, voiding their lease immediately, and, and... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all fun stuff. I don't. There's not a lot to talk about. I mean, you you could you could break this down granularly, but you get you know, it's funny over the course of a few episodes. Not only do Shaw and Dennis come to kind of a mutual understanding, but they kind of become friends. You know, they're they they everyone's kind of now working towards the same goal, and it's all. And, and everything's kind of in service of that. And so a lot of stuff just they just kind of get past it. There's a there's a maturity that happens. Um, I want to go back to the uh, oh, when they go to Jack the Rapper. This is the one thing I wanted to talk about because it struck me as really funny. OK, this was in, this was. So this is after um, Bobby tells Old Dirty that um, he signed you know, him to Electra. He's he like, yeah, to Electra signed of, I signed you without even talking to him. Right. And like, and it's one of those deals where like you totally get Bobby's point of view, but you understand how Russell feels. He was infantilized. You don't, you're not smart enough to make decisions for yourself. So I will make your decisions for you. Yeah. Like the better. one thing that he's wanted his whole life was to sign with thing. Def Jam. But Bobby's argument to him is sound, but it's a great example of so what? Uh-huh. Sometimes you just got to let somebody touch a hot stove. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some, you know, there was obviously a better way to do that. And even if he still chose Def Jam, it's like, okay, you at least were, you at least made that adult choice. But, you mm-hmm. know, that's part of Bobby's growth is, you know, he's become such a control freak. And then he has this falling out with Russell, old dirty. And he kind of has to learn a new thing about now he has to have trust in other people and he has to, you know, let go of the things he can't control. You know, sometimes you sometimes you just got to let a guy touch a hot stove. But this all but um, this all leads to an appearance on Jack the Rapper and they get cut from the show. And you could just see like everything has been a fight. Yeah. You know, they had to make their own studio, but that wasn't good enough because the sound wasn't good enough. And so they still had to mix in a studio and powers had to shell out shit tons of money. Um Trying to find a distributor was an uphill battle. Getting on the fever was an uphill battle. Yep. Getting college, getting radio play was an uphill battle. <laughs> Nothing comes easy to these guys. And it just explodes in frustration. Yeah. They put on sock, they put on right. stockings, stockings like they're over their face. Bank. Yep. And they rush the stage, and the guy that cut him got shoved off the stage. He like, wa- he got garbage. launched off the stage. Yeah, he and really did. Like, are they are they uh, no not concerned at all? That whole <laughs> the way they shot that, all that needed was a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Um, he goes flying off the stage, and they go break into Wu Tang Clan. Ain't nothing to mess with. Yeah, buddy. And the next scene is a montage of people going, "Did you hear they rushed the stage at Jack the Rapper?" Right. That was so like like they were robbing a bank. <laughs> I I'm just giddy. It was so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, we need to talk about how it concludes, but before we do that, I have been talking nonstop and not letting you get a word in edgewise for 45 minutes. Oh no, man, you've been doing <laughs> fine. Well, I mean. Uh, so I'm, only, I just want to say, like, what do you want to talk about? The only other episode I wanted to talk about was episode six. So episode five is where they, like we said, mm-hmm. they build the studio inside the apartment, void the lease immediately. But then episode six, that one really stood out to me. And that was the one I was telling you. I was like, man, you have, you got to let me know what you think of it. Uh, okay. So this was protect your neck. Yeah. Um, and this was the, this is the posse cut. This is where they, dive into bobby's mind and i think that's why i really like this because Mm -hmm. you you get to see as a i guess you know as a showrunner or somebody who's got to get their vision across the small screen um you have the task you've been tasked with going into somebody's head and showing them how they came up with the music making process Mm -hmm. and make a show out of it and they make a show out of it because it's not just, oh, cut that. Uh, yeah, I like that. No, it's him. Like all of a sudden the band's there and they're playing and then he's kind of dialing stuff back and people are disappearing off of there. When he doubles tracks, there's a <laughs> copy of the bass player. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he's like, actually know, having conversations. Like at one point he's having a conversation with a drummer. Yes. You know? <laughs> and meth like, comes in, meth comes <laughs> in and he pauses him and meth gets all upset. He's like, you going to let me rap or what? And right. it's, it was a great way to just show how his mind works and how mm-hmm. the you know the music making process is done and how he came up with that and I I I enjoyed every single moment of that and at some point mm-hmm. I was looking over at my wife I was like this is fantastic I, I cannot believe they put this for a show that is based on you know come from the streets becoming mm-hmm. a rap group and drug dealing and all this there are some visionary steps and visionary things that are just put across the small screen that are just utterly unreal sometimes as a a filmmaking artistic choice it was perfect yeah i mean great way to like i was thinking about in contrast to like sheldon on the big bang theory whenever he's working out a physics problem on the whiteboard it's shot with it's just it's just a flat shot of him staring at the whiteboard okay i know why they do it that you know they are trying to demonstrate that 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 is theoretical physics okay it's just looking at a whiteboard trying to figure out math Mm -hmm. um it's not experimental physics like when you go to leonard leonard's in a lab and he's playing with lasers and you know doing all kinds of physical stuff things you can show an audience but they go out of their way in the big bang theory to kind of show that that's not how that's not what sheldon's doing Mm -hmm. um it's also not very interesting to look at but they can get away with it because it's a minute or two of screen time on a 22 minute show. Yeah. This is an hour long drama on Hulu. If they had just had Bobby staring off into the middle distance, occasionally hitting a key, we'd have gone to sleep in that episode. So it was very, <laughs> a lot of good choices there. Um, I yeah. wanted to ask you just really quick, like, like 10 words or less. What'd your wife think of the show? She liked it. She's 
really pissed at me right now because I watched the last two episodes without her because because of the podcast. Well, she had to go with my boy to basketball practice, mm-hmm. and I was like, "There's no way." I, I was working until six thirty. Mm-hmm. She left at six thirty, so right. I, I said, "Well, we're definitely going to finish the two last two together." But mm-hmm. she she watched the first season, loved it. I mean, mm-hmm. she had nothing bad to say about it, and I said, "I'm going to have to watch these last two episodes without you." And she was kind of upset with me. I Way that. to go, Mark. Getting divorced I, tomorrow. I understand. Um, <laughs> now, you're not the first relationship I've wrecked. You won't be the last. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's talk about the conclusion of this, and then we'll wrap up for the night. Uh, so Bobby is able So they re- they signed with Loud Records, which is a subsidiary of RCA. Uh, they release Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Um mm. And it blows up and it becomes, you know, it becomes a legacy album. It's right up there with like, you know, Dr. Dre's The Chronic, uh, Raising Hell by Run DMC, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. It is a legacy, you know, it's just like the Beastie Boys. It is the, it is one of the most influential albums uh, by the most influential band in the history of music. So... <laughs> Sly, look off to the right. Sly, I'm look not off to the left. Petty <laughs> at all. Um, anyway, uh, you know, Wu Tang Clan now firmly stamping its, you know, place in the in the history, the breadth and history of mainstream music. Right. So everything is great. So, so Bobby, you know, Bobby has succeeded, but yes. this, but the but the work is not done. There are there are more Infinity Stones to find. That's right. That's and. Right. So now all of the so the montage at the end is, you know, they they're out of the apartment. He had he he's bought a house with the money he's earned from um, uh, from enter enter the Wu Tang, mm-hmm. and uh, so he moves this, his studio to his new house, and everybody is signing deals with very you know Def Jam and um, Electra and all kinds of sugar. No, sugar. Ta-da! That's a different band. Um, anyway, dog lets his drink out of the toilet. You know what I mean? Mm. You know what I'm saying, God? Stay out of that. So anyway, um, they're all signing solo deals. And so he's now producing their solo albums. And he's and because this is the, the mid to late 90s, he's yep. got them all on floppy disks. <laughs> the old and apparently not backing any of the, anything yeah. up. Yeah. So yeah. There's a conversation that him and Divine have about how, like, what do we have now? Five solo albums on top of Protection, on top of Enter the Wu Tang. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, and I think he had one for almost every member of the band. Right, dude. He was, you know, you watch a little montage of that person enjoying the success mm-hmm. from the band, and then he's writing the name of that person and the name of that album on one of those mm-hmm. discs, setting it aside, and yep. that's kind of how we proceed through there. Um, you know, I, I find it funny that Ason or or Russell. Uh, goes to a bar and then proceeds to knock the freaking bartender out and then takes he was over. Not, he was not handling his celebrity well. No, um, just say that. <laughs> it's not a happy ending for any for a lot of these guys. You God violates his probation by going to Jack the Rapper in the oh, first. Oh yeah, yeah, and he was. I mean, he was trying to stay straight and narrow too. Mm-hmm. But um, Shaw took care of his mommy. Yep, yeah, was very nice. Didn't you? I found that funny. Like in the first season, Shaw was like homeless, like like living on the roof of a building. Yeah, and that's because he chose not to live in his mom's nice apartment, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, although like- I, I can't remember if well, 
I, it's been a while since I watched the first season, but you can tell that his mom really cared about him staying out of the drug game. Yeah. Uh, she so was a, she was a righteous woman. Yeah. 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 All of this to say that Bobby has finally achieved the goal he set out to do, but the work is not done and he continues to do it studiously. And then a pipe bursts in his house. And it was and the then, pipe dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite, quite a big pipe. Now, at first, I was boy. wondering where in the world they were going with this because he's laying in bed with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend looks at him and says, "Bobby" or something like that, and he's like, "What are yeah. you looking at me for?" Like, I was like, "Did he? I mean, are, is there a fart joke that's coming? What's going on?" <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Sort so of. this giant ass pipe that looks like it is an oil pipe, but but when it burst and water started to flood the basement, it looked like a goddamn water slide. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I thought did. a log flume was going to come a down. You know, a lot of. A... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of water. So the last thing you see is him wading into the sewage yep. to find the discs that may or may not have been ruined. And I, and I don't want to waste a lot of time going into the Wikipedia page, but I think that actually happened. Wow. I think oh, that would I suck. think they had a major setback with a lot of the solo stuff because he, he like lost all of it in the flood. That is. Yeah, a... I'm gonna let I'm gonna look real quick. Okay. Um, and see if I can find something. Go ahead and give me your final thought. Anything else left unsaid? Any final thoughts about the season? Yeah. Well, I mean, for a show that uh, I didn't think initially that I would have really a whole lot of interest in. If you go back and mm -hmm. listen to the first episode of the first, uh, I, I was taught, or I should say, of us talking about the first season. I, I'm not a fan of Wu Tang Clan. I knew a little bit about Method Man because I listened to some Takao back in the '94, mm -hmm. but I was curious and i like music biopics uh, mm -hmm. i like you know looking at the industry and and what what's uh you know what these artists have to go through in order to get their craft out there so this definitely checked a lot of boxes for me and the filmography or i should say the the, the cinematography that they have throughout some of these episodes keep it infinitely interesting i mean it really does and you're not going to get the same thing episode to episode which is great it's not like they they pigeonhole themselves i think the one episode where they're filming the video for mm -hmm. i think protect your neck i believe is what it is and it's just i think 90 percent of the show is black and white uh and you know they're just talking about how they coming up they're well they, they show the process of coming up with the video and some of the other stuff that's going on but again it that's another entry into the log of how they switch things up for these episodes and keep it very very palatable in my opinion so i look forward to season three i'm you know i think this is a great idea the fact that it is a contained saga that's going mm -hmm. to just play out over three seasons and i can't wait to see what they do next with some of the stuff the interesting things that they do with the episodes to get the story across so uh, and, and to see how they're going to come back for this, because at the end of that final episode, I thought and they do a real like it's a camera shot from underneath the sewage, the water. Mm -hmm. And you can see his face. And I'm like, he's going to dive his face into it. He's going <laughs> to dive his face into it. And he doesn't do that. That's how they end the series. But all his discs, you know, are floating around against waste. We'll just say <laughs> and, and he's got to grab these discs out of there and try and find them. And I mean, let me tell you something, folks. Don't keep important things down in the basement because crap yeah. like that happens all the Back. time. I've got about 18 comic book boxes over here. They're just <laughs> waiting for a pipe to burst above me. <laughs> Back up your shit, people. Um, <laughs> Please do. And said computer right now. Yeah. It's right underneath the pipe right there.
So I have an article from October 8th, 2018 from AmbrosiaForHeads.com. Okay. Rizza discusses losing hundreds of Wu-Tang Clan beats and two albums in floods. Oh, my gosh. I mean, my my I, he put if the series, I'm sure, is definitely representative of his love for music and creating this music. Mm -hmm. He had so many, so many beats. Dude, I I don't edit anything. And, you know, and. and when I didn't think I could get back my BTR archive, how I felt. Could oh, you yeah. imagine? Could you imagine yeah. what it got put effort into creating, you know, let me show you Grammy award-winning music felt? Uh, I want to show you something real quick if I can. Uh, I can't find it. We have to get really close. Uh, well, I was going to put it up to the to the uh, screen here. But Remember I that YouTube monitors us. We don't want to. No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Violate community standards. Let's try not to be too funny. Um, I had. <laughs> I, I have them laying around here somewhere, but I have mm -hmm. all of your BTR archive on a thumb drive about that big. Okay. Well, just, <laughs> I mean, it well, is wee tiny. So imagine what that was like right. back in the 90s. Like yeah. this dude had so much music on. Uh, oh my gosh. All right. I want to read this to you. Okay. I <laughs> Sam, I am. No. Uh, <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan, <laughs> Wu Clan is celebrating the 25th anniversary of its legendary debut next month. Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers set the stage for dozens upon dozens of releases to follow for, from the nine founding members and more. Just last Friday, Ghostface Killer dropped the Lost Tapes. Method Man's Meth Lab 2 is arriving in November. You God and Inspector Deck dropped albums on the same day in the spring. However, hardcore Woo fans may know that the defining albums for members were originally intended to sound quite different. Several floods forever affected solo members post-36 Chambers rollout with hundreds of RZA tracks forever washed away. Oh. Dur during the mid-90s, RZA's Staten Island, New York home suffered studio suffered two floods. It was estimated that 500 beats were lost, also including creations by Wu producers Fourth Disciple and True Master. It would be Inspected Deck, who arguably suffered the most as Method Man, Raekwon, Jizza, and Ghost were able to recreate their albums released in 1994 and 1996. Ultimately, Deck's uncontrolled substance solos de de debut that arrived in 99 was far different than what was reportedly on the original reels and floppy disks. That release was reportedly ready to go shortly after the 1993 crew debut. Yeah, I remember as we're going through the discs, mm -hmm. as he's writing the things on there, I think if I remember right, Inspected Decks, he had he had written that and then below that, I think he wrote Untitled. And I was mm -hmm. wondering why. So it was probably just not completed or and and then victim to the flood we just it wasn't ready to go they had to go back to the drawing board i have a couple of um quotes here from the rizza uh bobby um the funny thing about my life is water has always been a blessing and a curse i could go back to living in brownsville uh marcus garvey houses he describes my mother had finally gotten an apartment that can hold all the kids i'm from a family with 11 kids right and she finally got an apartment that could hold all of us. And she did everything she could to make it nice. And all of a sudden, the damn apartment floods because the sewers back up. You'd see stuff floating around. And that was probably at about the age of 10 years old. And that changed the, the, the dynamic of our household. And, um, and then he goes, for me, the same damn flood keeps popping up all over my life. Mm. It popped up twice in the course of Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, as soon as we finished Enter the Wu-Tang, I had already had Inspected Deck's uncontrolled substance album, Method Man's Tickle, and, uh, prepared. Because back in those days, we had floppy disks, and I can make all the beats, Method Man sessions, deck sessions, 
Um, Raekwon's only only built for Cuban link sessions, and I was ready to go. Here comes the flood and wiped out about 160 floppy disks. I would be suicidal, dude. I I I credit him for not throwing himself off the Staten Island ferry. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> I don't I know how inconsolable. I'm certain if that that's this, at least if Streamyard stops right now and we lose this podcast, I will walk into the street. Let alone 160 <laughs> tracks. I'm sorry. Go ahead, dude. I've been on podcasts where you were just like enraged about something that blog talk did and you were <laughs> you you could not you could not focus on whatever the task was that we were going to do on the podcast because you had to figure out whatever blog talk did why they cannot fix it or need to fix it immediately so i know part of this was because of my jaw but last oct last november about a year ago now we were supposed to do election coverage it was myself winfrey and, and andrew and I started to hit record and we weren't going to go live. And we certainly weren't live streaming at the time. I was just going to do a regular podcast and Robert go and I'd already started it. And Robert goes, wait, we're not going to go live. And I'm like, no, we don't have any interactions. We're not on YouTube. Like why bother? He was right. like, come on. It's a, it's election night. You got to go live. Fine. So I stop it. I go to hit live. Everything like fails every, you know, <laughs> everything crashes my monitor fell over i don't know why <laughs> a pipe burst and i lost all the wu-tang tracks <laughs> the second the second big losing of the wu-tang yeah um and i couldn't get it and i and i couldn't get it to work again that night and robert's like that's fine why don't you just call it's a skype work just call me on skype and i'll host it and i'm like no i don't want to do this anymore bye see you later yep so it's a good thing that some of us go into podcasting and others produce platinum Grammy award winning rap albums and we don't switch places because if it were Mark Rattledge, there would be no Wu-Tang Clan. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I love this show. I can't wait for season three. I enjoyed talking about it with you. I could talk about it for another hour, but we won't. Um, it's great. Like, I, I, it's not for everybody. I, I, I think if you don't have any genuine interest in the band and you also are not into urban stories, there's only the only thing that's left is the natural drama of a well-written show. And that might right. not be enough for people. So hey, my, my wife, it's, not, a, it's know, not an easy recommend. Yeah. My wife wasn't a Wu-Tang fan. Mm -hmm. uh, she enjoyed some rap every once in a while, but she had no idea what she was getting into and she enjoyed herself plenty. So <laughs> I, I do recall her saying there were a lot of, fine looking men on this show so sure. if you're a lady there <laughs> that's uh that might speak to you the guy that plays dennis I, i've already i've already clicked off the wikipedia page so the guy who plays dennis ghostface killer um like is an attractive fella but he plays the character with a with a perpetual sneer that almost contorts his face yeah um i i mean he looks like he's going to murder somebody like immediately every like, five when seconds he's doing like like when he's just doing ordinary tasks like he's going to murder somebody when he's chopping tomatoes yeah, he's, I'm just pouring the milk i'm going to kill somebody but like, i'm pouring you, the milk i was just like how do you pour the milk angry all the time how does that work yeah it's, it's great i love this show um it's funny my wife uh my wife is in bed and um she's comfortable 
and I said, just remember, I'm going live on camera in a few minutes. Please do not come out of the room topless unless you're going <laughs> to run at the camera and yell Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to mess with. All floppy. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and she was like, I might. Thanks for letting me know that that's a possibility. <laughs> So I'm just wondering if, like, did you, did you did you tell your wife the same thing? Like, only come on camera if you're going to come on uh, topless and go Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> ain't nothing to mess with and flop away. Oh, uh, well, she, I, I think she knows to stay in the bedroom. She's, <laughs> she would rather have nothing to do with it. None, none of this podcast junk. All right, last words, and then we'll get out of here. All right, man. Well, yeah, like I said, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be there with you. Season three, man. Let's, uh, I look forward to it. Wu-Tang forever. That's right. And if you want to hear the tracks that weren't flooded, if you want to hear Enter the Wu-Tang or Method Man solo album, which I know did like Gangbusters or Raekwon the Chef. Uh, Jesse, do you know where you could, if you're not sure about the Wu-Tang clan, uh, but you want to hear some of these solo albums, do you know where they could stream them for free? I'll take a stab at it. Uh, Amazon Music? That's right. Whoa. And did you know that she was a dentist? No, wait, that was earlier. Did wait. you know <laughs> Britt Baker? Britt Baker joke. Uh, I know Britt Baker. Uh, did you know that we were giving away a free 30 days of the Amazon Music Unlimited service? Oh, wow. Somebody's got to check that out for sure. Indeed. Do you know how you can check it out? No, you got to tell me. By clicking the link in the description of this podcast at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network. Click the link, fill out the information, agree for the free 30 days, down uh, on stream. Down on stream, all of us. (laughs) Down on stream, all (laughs) of the Wu-Tang Clan albums and all of the solo albums that came out of all 146 members of the band. Yes. If you have have never heard You God's solo album and didn't know he was a part of the band because he wasn't Meth, Old Dirty, or Raekwon... (laughs) (laughs) If you if you haven't heard anything by Capadonna, check out check them all out on Amazon Music Unlimited. And with that, uh, earlier today, myself and Chris Bailey reviewed Full Gear. Um, we did a lot. We do. I've had to watch like ninety seven hours of television over the past week to gear up for this week. <sighs> Yesterday we did Lock and Key. Tomorrow only murders in the building. Um, Monday. Uh, Monday, we actually just had the night off, thank God. But um, Sunday night, we did a triple feature of uh, the Red Notice and Army of Thieves. Harry Broadhurst and I reviewed House of Glory Born Again featuring Will Ospreay versus Amazing Red and the XBW revival Rebirth. Uh, We've also had a bunch of Ghostbusters content drop this week. We had our 2016 contentious review of Ghostbusters 2016. We had Jesse and Ronnie talking Ghostbusters Displaced, Digression, which had, which featured Jesse's favorite storytelling device, time travel. That's right. Um, and then uh, myself and Sean Comer re-aired our Long Road to Ruin for Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Be a little bit patient. I, uh, Sean spent 45 minutes talking about the controversy controversy on YouTube regarding Ghostbusters Could have been an episode itself, it sounds it like. really could have. So... <laughs> So just know we eventually get to the Ghostbusters movies, but Sean had a thing or two to say first, and it takes about 45 Was there a come at me, bro, in there somewhere? I'm sure. The whole thing was come at me. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) One large Um, come at me, bro. Yeah, uh, it did not get lost in the flood. Um, And then tomorrow... (laughs) 
<laughs> Tomorrow, myself, Pat Mullen, and Chris Bailey will be doing our Mania WrestleMania 10. Um, Friday, nothing is dropping. But Saturday, we've got, uh, in honor of Ridley Scott's House of Gucci, we are having a re-air of our Damn You Hollywood for The Martian, which was Ridley Scott's return to directing back in, I think it was 2015. Um, and the evening time, while my wife is recording Disney trivia with Jesse and Alexis and friends, I will be doing the Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter uh, alternative commentary with Daniel Lasby. Jesse, what do you got going on these days? When are you when are you doing the only podcast you actually care about? Unspoken issues. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, listen, October just ended about. Oh, no. Wait a second. We're halfway into November now. Yeah, we are. But anyway. You, you could go check out uh, Chris Armstrong and I dropping six fun-sized episodes leading right up to Halloween on Rise of the Midnight Suns. So we're talking 90s comics on Unspoken Issues. We had an Unspoken Issues episode drop today uh, featuring Neil Gaiman and Spawn number 9. Uh, so Chris and I talked a little bit about that, had a fun conversation there. And I think our next episode is going to be on Super Patriot number 1, an image comic that came out back in 94, 93, 94. Uh, so that that's going to be happening. Uh, you already mentioned tripped up trivia. We're going to be talking Disney. We got four guests lined up for that. Uh, Mark's wife included. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I've already got my 15 questions. I got the easy part. This, uh, this go round, and then Alexis has to come up with the heart, the hard questions and we're splitting it up three ways. This is how it's going to go down. It's going to go down, uh, by films, television and parks. Yeah. So that'll be some fun. Uh, fun trivia going on there. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, by December, no, actually, at some point, we're going to be talking, of, uh, me and Al Sedano are going to be dropping our discussion on, help me out, Mark, what was it again? It was Stars and Stripes Volume 2. Which why can't aired. I never remember that? Like, I have <laughs> to sit there and go into my, uh, close my eyes, and still I can't remember it. Um, That'll air December 4th. Okay, and then shortly after that should be the Spider-Man, which the trailer just dropped, Mark Rylich. Uh That, uh, yeah, that trailer was something, to, something to behold. Uh, but yeah, you know what we I have, think. Tell you me what I think. Tell me. It's fine. Oh well, that is completely unexpected from you. I just... <laughs> <laughs> hey, but real yeah. quick, I'm gonna get Jesse in on this live stream shit. Yeah. Okay. So Clutch is doing uh, live from the Doom Saloon Volume Four. We've done two of these already. We didn't. We've never. We've never done the first one, but um, the the other two Doom Saloon live stream concerts that they did, two and three, we did reviews of those shows. That's right. We're gonna re-air those on the twenty sixth on Black Friday, in the evening time though. Doom Saloon Volume Four. Jesse and I are gonna watch the show with the volume slightly up. And uh, we'll talk to you about it while it's happening. How's that yeah, sound, Jesse? That's going to be awesome. I'm already, I've already figured it out. I'm going to have one Bluetooth headphone right underneath this can right here, and mm -hmm. then I'll be having it right sitting here. We'll watch the concert together. And you know, don't just as long as you don't knee your kids and high knee and high step all over the place. <laughs> and you're, you know, I want to flip tables back there behind you or anything like that. We should be all right. I might start a mosh pit on camera. Oh boy. My I'm wife will be topless. The... It'll be a floppy mosh pit. <laughs> I can't. I. I. Uh, I'm curious as what the set list will be, but yeah, man, that'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be. It'll be an interesting experiment. Hopefully, it'll go well. Yep. No. Uh, Clutch. Clutch always puts on a good show. We'll see what happens. Right. Maybe they'll play binge and purge. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he rolled his eyes. <laughs> All right, folks. That's it. That is our TV party tonight for Wu Tang and American Saga. 
season two for Jesse Starcher. This is Mark Rattledge saying, peace, God. Peace. Peace, God. Peace, <laughs> God.